Mm-hmm. So what what is it or what was it about language and the use of and the hearing of, of words that drew you so closely to it? Definitely emotion. Yeah, I, I think I, I think. No, I know it was emotion because I'm really big on feeling like I love um The way I describe music that makes me feel a lot is like music that drips, like when the beat kind of drips, I just, ah, I just feel and like certain poems will like do that to me. And I'm not certain, like I just, as a fan of the art itself, like before I'm a writer, I'm also a fan of poetry. So like when I just feel I'm, I'm happy. (laughs) Like it just, I don't care if I'm feeling something bad or good I'm just happy to be feeling because I've been numb before. And I think that I don't want to go back to. (laughs) I enjoy the way inflections happen. I enjoy when someone yells. I enjoy when someone is really quiet and then yells. Like all those little things that go into communicating. It just, it makes me hold on. So welcome cool. back, everybody. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> welcome to yeah. another week of We Might Be Wrong. It's another week of that. Oh, man. Is this, is this 25th <laughs> or the 24th? This is, I don't know. I'll stop counting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't matter, huh? Oh, Mm-mm. man. But I'm glad that you guys are back here with us. We have another special guest on this week. Another one another in the one, building. Miss Grada Love. You say hello Grata to the people. Love. Hey y'all, it's your girl Grata. That's Grata like Prada, but with a G. Don't forget the L-O-V-E. All right, there we go. <laughs> Bird. Bird. Yeah, mm. that was nice. We got her on this week to speak with us about language, the absurdities of it, the creative use of it, uh, all of that, whatever comes up. I don't know oh, yeah. exactly where we're going to end up with this one, but just like every other week, I'm sure we'll end up somewhere that we didn't expect to be, but are glad we made it to. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So Uh-oh. thank you guys for for being here for this. Uh, God of love. Thank you for being here for this. So of much. Of course. Yeah. I'm you let, honored. Well, we're honored. Yeah, for real. <laughs> can you uh, can you let everybody know who you are? What you do? Sure. So um, I'm God of love. I am. I guess a government employee, nine to five, uh, six to ten, and weekends. I am. A po- also a podcast host, Marrying the Unigod. We talk about spirituality and healing through the lens of spirituality. Um, I also co-founded the DMV Renaissance Awards, if that's the right word, co-founded. See, we're going to talk about language today because, there we go. you know. Um, but yeah, the DMV Renaissance Awards celebrates local poets. We put on an award show. We allow the community to nominate and vote. And then we host an award show at the end. We did our first show in 2021 um, after COVID. We got pushed back a year because of everything. But nonetheless, it was beautiful. Um, and also, I'm a spoken word poet, so it really goes hand in hand with language. I use it a lot. I, I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with how we communicate. I'm obsessed with the fact that I do it wrong and right. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I think a lot about what I say, how I say it, how it was interpreted. So I'm really excited. I studied communications in college too, public relations to be exact. So I'm really excited for this episode. Thank you. <laughs> Ma'am. That's what's up. I think we do the same thing, like uh, E and I. Like we already both know that we're both obsessed with language. We talk about it off air a lot. Um, but I know I have my own infatuation with like nonverbals and uh, making sure I'm communicating the best way I can and like messing around with certain things, experimenting with with things. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this too. Bad. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, you know what it is. Let's do it. Let's do it with the with the definitions. <laughs> All right, what you Let's got for go us? Let's go there. All right, you know, um, language. Um, we've got two of them uh, that we'll go with. So, uh, first one: the principal method of human communication, consisting of words used in a structural and conventional way, and conveyed by speech, writing, or gesture. Um, the second one uh, talks about a system of communication used by a particular country or community. So I'm sure we're going to be uh, kind of leaning towards the first one. Um, yeah. The principal method of human communication consisting of words used in a structured and conventional 
uh, way and conveyed by speech, writing, or gesture. It feels like where we're coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that hits it. Um, how long have you been, Grata, how long you have you been into, like, poetry? Like, when did you first realize you had an interest in it? And then when did you start pursuing it, like, to the extent that you do now? Oh, <clears throat> that's a good question. Um, I would say I always go back to this incident in the first grade where my sister brought home a calligraphy project and it was a poem about being friends or something. And it was just like, best friends till the end, if you ever need a heart to mend. (laughs) And I just kept like rereading it and rewriting it. Like it was on this cute poster and I just kept rereading it and rewriting it. So I knew that it was something special about that group, that collection of, of words and how it fit and how it sounded. I was really into that. And then I would watch a lot of spoken word, uh, YouTube videos, Deaf Poetry Jam, of course. And anything I could consume, um, I didn't start really writing until the eighth grade when I had a teacher, Mr. Salam, who, <laughs> yes, he would make us like analyze Tupac lyrics. And I think those lyrics made me fall in love with telling a story in a creative way and with um, just helping people feel you like through your words like you can say something to somebody and they can really feel what you're going through or they can empathize or you can empathize with them by telling their story so just I didn't even realize I was having those thought processes until later and then I did one-offs like performances over the years and then what year? 2018. I just hit my four year anniversary. Four years ago, I had my first feature in the area, like at Busboys and Poets. And from there, when somebody, I went to an open mic July of 2017, and I met TK, who gave me my first feature in February after I moved back to the DMV area. And that from there, other people saw me and heard me and were just like, You want a feature? You want it? So then I realized, Oh, well, okay, I'm taking myself serious, so they're taking me serious. It's time to really like say some real stuff. And I find that over time, the messages get more and more, um, I want to say real, but just more vulnerable and more honest. Before it felt kind of superficial, and now it's just like, say what you need to say. Say what the people need to hear, because we're not talking about it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's changing. Was that like openness and vulnerability that you started to show, was that intentional or did you just kind of find yourself in that space? Mm. I think it was both. I think it was intentional because I would get tired of saying the same poems. (laughs) Like I remember this when I first started going to open mics, I had this poem. Can we cuss? Yeah. Can I cuss? Okay. So language, right? Um, I had this poem called Fuck Going With The Flow. And it was just about like dating people and they just having their own flow for you and your relationship and you going with their flow. And it's not, it's like, I want to know like what's going on. And I remember just like doing that poem and people enjoyed it, but I stopped enjoying it. And I was like, I'm not even in that space anymore. <laughs> like, I don't even want to welcome that energy. I don't want y'all to think that's the energy I'm on. And then I was, I had to really sit with myself for that feature, that first feature. I did a poem about my dad um, and their, my parents' divorce. And that was really vulnerable. And so I find that with TK's events, when I did this one that just passed, I did a poem about toxic masculinity and about men wanting to kill me because of my sexual preference. And that was a whole it was it literally I had a panic attack before I performed it like that evening because I was just like, what? Who's going to be in the audience? Who's going to feel some type of way? You don't even understand how much people risk their life like at the hands of other humans. And so that was more intentional because I knew it was a safe space. But over time, I just got sick of it. And I was just like, this feels very shallow. I kind of want to go deeper. Like we're... <laughs> Let's go under the surface. I'm a, I'm a water sign, so I'm like, I want to dive. I want to dive. <laughs> yeah. All right. I um, I asked because I I listened to the one that you did for the 2021 uh, Renaissance Awards. I wrote down oh, wow. a little bit of what you said. You said um that you ran from trauma onto the stage uh, and you exposed yourself. You said you scared yourself into progress 
and that you shared until you were no longer scared. Mm. And I was like, all right, come on. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you reacting like you uh, like you <laughs> like you didn't write it. <laughs> I know, I'm like, who said that? Oh yeah. yeah, that is in there. It be so many words in the poem. You just be like, yeah. oh yeah, that is a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, right. That's how I felt when I heard it. I was like, oh, that's good. <sighs> that's good. I think anybody, at least anybody who's a creative can um can relate to that like even if it's not mm -hmm. through word in the the way that right. you do it like just the necessity of being vulnerable publicly for the sake of sharing yes. your art because of some greater um plan that you have for it and to keep doing that until you're no longer scared Oof. like man yeah to to do that to do that kind of work through fear mm. yeah, it takes some guts you know, I said that, but I still be scared. Like if I haven't okay. like post pandemic, or it's not post pandemic yet, but after not performing in person for a while, even like performing virtually would scare me a little bit. But the first time I hit the stage again in a while, my legs were shaking. <laughs> like I, and I think that's the crazy part. You still get scared, but you get less scared to make it to the stage. Like now it's like, okay, I've been on there before. I kind of know what that feels like. So I'm less afraid of that part. But as far as the content of what I'm sharing, that is always, if I'm not scared, then I'm not vulnerable enough. <laughs> like that's the reality of it. If you're, if you're not afraid before putting your art out, I don't think you're being vulnerable enough. Or you're not pushing yourself um, hard enough. Because I don't even share my visual art that much because it's so vulnerable. I don't know how people are going to perceive it. I don't know if it's going to be well liked. And that's the hard part as an artist to like get over the part of people perceiving it. Like, yeah, it's going to be scary, but it's like you still got to do it. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, E can attest to that. We've talked a lot about <laughs> um about the the fear of how people are going to receive you, you know, for the sake of you just having to do whatever you've got in you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm wondering, um, I got to ask you this. So is it about, um, I guess in getting a sense of what's driving you, right? Um, is it about, this is what people need to hear, or this is about me growing. Like this is the, 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 the most direct route to the type of growth I'm trying to experience. I mean, I know it might be a bit of both, but I guess I'm asking which which bucket carries the most. <sighs> oh, that is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teetering the line so hard right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the with what I need for growth because. Okay. Yeah, I think that was even what led me to even take myself seriously is because I realized it was the one unique thing, one of the one unique things that I bring to this world. And that it's important. It's an important part of my growth, because if I don't do it, then I feel like I've let myself down. And I feel like that's worse than than people not hearing a message they needed to hear. I feel like what's more important is me getting through to myself or like sifting through all of my bullshit from day-to-day -day life like all of the hard stuff all of the like that's more important than somebody needing a message today like I'm I hate how selfish mm -hmm. that sounds because I wasn't I guess that's just not in my personality but like or what I was raised to be but at the same time it's important to just realize like your growth is necessary and your right yeah that's yeah. important getting through my shit and getting it out yeah. you've got you to do you know Yes. Um, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. The bird doesn't sing for <laughs> the so advancement simple. of music, right? <laughs> right, right. Right. Wow. I wouldn't even worry about that like that feeling of like maybe this is selfish or or even saying like I don't care if that's selfish or or whatever cuz I used to do that a lot. But the more I've thought about it, we're all selfish, even the good doers and mm -hmm. the, you know, <laughs> and, and even the people who are like truly well-intentioned and like really, you know, mm -hmm. are just trying to put good out into the world. Because you do that because that makes you feel good. Oh my God. Yes. That's like that's what selfish means. That's the definition of selfish. To do things it for the self. You. Yeah. Yes. If if it hurt you, if it truly, truly like pained you to help others, you probably wouldn't do it. 
You find the thing that makes you feel good. Fortunately, there are people who feel good about helping other people. Still selfish, in my opinion, but a good selfish. Yeah, it's it's guilt-free self-serving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Oh my gosh, that just hit me with a with a big book. <laughs> yeah, like even things that I feel deplete me. It, and it's like I don't know, I feel like I walk into it. It's like I feel depleted by helping all these people or being there for everybody. And then I have this moment of like breakdown where I'm just like, I just need to not be needed. And it's like, bruh, you you signed up for this. You in the moment, it felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the good girl thing to do. It felt like I was appeasing myself in the moment. I was appeasing others like it worked for both of us. And then it gets to a point where it's like, OK, you know. Yeah, no. So I'm like, where's the balance in like not breaking down in between? Like, how do you communicate? Hey, I can give you this, but I can't give you that. Like, I think that's been a big part of my journey. Yeah. Communicating what I can and can't do. Mm, how do you do that? Like you personally? Uh, <laughs> do I do it? That's the question. <laughs> um, sometimes it's not picking up the phone. Like knowing that the person calling is going to ask for something. Sometimes it's just not picking up the phone. Sometimes it is, but that's avoidance too. So there's that. Um, I think I also just, I have to be okay with being vulnerable. And as much as we talk about vulnerability in art, I can't say I'm always that vulnerable because it's scary. It's really scary territory. Um, and I think a part of saying no is being vulnerable and saying, I'm not superwoman. I can't do all that I feel like you need. And just having that moment so that there's clarity moving forward. Um, I've had that moment with like family and stuff and it's worked for most of them, but not all, you know, not everybody's going to receive it the best way, but just being vulnerable in that, I say saying no sometimes is saying yes to yourself mm-hmm. yes <laughs> to me yep right on <laughs> yeah that's becoming a bit of a theme e yeah 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 this one's yeah. been here before yeah, yeah we've yeah, definitely yeah, gone yeah. there yeah. <laughs> um so uh, i wanted to ask you something what was it if if you're able to pinpoint it what was it about the use of language in the way that you first perceived it as interesting that made you so attached to it? Did that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. because there are, you know, there are a lot of avenues that a person can take to expose themselves and express themselves in the way that you have through poetry, but you chose poetry. Mm-hmm. So what, what is it or what was it about language and the use of and the hearing of, of words that drew you so closely to it? Definitely emotion. Yeah, I, I think I, I think, no, I know it was emotion because I'm really big on feeling. Like I love, um, I, the way I describe music that makes me feel a lot is like music that drips. Like when the beat kind of drips, I just, ah, I just feel. And like certain poems will like do that to me. And I'm not certain, like I just, as a fan of the art itself, like before I'm a writer, I'm also a fan of poetry. So like when I just feel I'm, I'm happy. Like it just, I don't care if I'm feeling something bad or good. I'm just happy to be feeling because I've been numb before. And I think that I don't want to go back to, (laughs) I enjoy the way inflections happen. I enjoy when someone yells, I enjoy when someone is really quiet and then yells like, all those little things that go into communicating, it just, it makes me hold on. And I like holding on to the next word. I like the fact that poetry is short. Um, not Okay, not always, but it's shorter than like an essay. So I enjoy the fact that somebody can get their point across, make me feel something. And, you know, there's not necessarily music behind it. I get to really just sink into the words themselves. Yeah. Mm, that's good. I like um I'm a big fan of vulgarity. Mm. <laughs> I I don't I I think there's something about um the lack of fear to be vulgar like despite who may be listening cuz you know you're going to upset someone. Someone's not going to oh, like that. Yes. <laughs> um 
I appreciate when people push limits. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, there's something about that. Plus, my I mentioned earlier, but my family's like big on like comedy. Like I grew up mm-hmm. watching like Dave Chappelle and Eddie Murphy and and Richard Pryor and thanks oh, to E like uh, George Carlin and some other people. But <laughs> my family's like that and and like uh, at family events and you know I think this is typical amongst black families anyway. But we're just always ragging on each other. Just always got something to say. <laughs> right. It's always something to say, man. Um, mm-hmm. And you can't get away from it. But you you learn early like how to develop some thick skin. <laughs> so mm-hmm. once you get older, can't nobody really say anything that's gonna hurt you. It's like, man, my mom already called sure. me that, man. Like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, like my brother that. already said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come with something harder than that, man. Um, right. But vulgarity has always been a part of it, and so you know, I I appreciate like that limit pushing, like I said. But it also feels a bit comforting because it's like, oh, you're comfortable enough to be that way. Like, I feel mm. like I can trust you a little bit more because you're not hiding something. Wow. That's wow. The trust part that 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 got me. Yeah, I do. I feel like that's when people are like 100 percent themselves. Um, but sometimes it can also be a cover up. I feel like it goes it both could. ways, because when I was in elementary school learning about cuss words for the first time, Oh, whenever I wasn't home and I was at school, I was trying to cuss, cuss, and cuss, using it all wrong, probably sounding real ridiculous. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it it can either be a cover up or it can be very honest. And I think you can tell, like your intuition can tell which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so ironic that you brought up vulgarity because I was just talking to my therapist about that. She does not like it at all. She was like, <laughs> she's Indian. And she's like, all these new shows, they're like using the F-bomb. And I was like, I mean, sometimes it helps to like bring the message home. And she's like, uh-huh. um, but it's a, it's an expression of yourself. And it shows like who you are and you should have more. She was speaking more so like as a therapist. Like she was like, if I used cuss words, like how would you feel? And I was like, I mean, it's not like you're cussing me out with them. How are you using them? <laughs> like. Uh-huh. That's the important part. You're not saying F you, you're stupid. Like you're saying, um, wow, this shit is hard. Or like that shit you're going through is rough, bro. Like yeah. I would get that. <laughs> I would understand. I would feel like you're empathizing with me. Um, yeah. It just it's yeah, it's a nuanced thing because I was showing off with the cuss words. <laughs> not mm-hmm. using them intentionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you do use them intentionally, they can be very effective. I think. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, time and place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, right. so, it's all about context, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah context. You um, well, I like. Go oh, ahead. go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Now, I like that you said. Um, you were talking about emotion, you know, mm. um, and it's very physical. You know, like I don't, I don't hear that a lot. You know, uh, people talk about emotions. You know, and we and and when we speak emotion, we think of it as being up here in the head. Mm. But it's very physical. We call them feelings, you know. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and, and and you're like, it's something about it. It just makes me feel this. It makes me feel that. You know, there's a, um, I think the correct use of a uh, language or any kind of art. When I say correct, I mean, um, in a sense that it's totally aligned with what's up here, you know, mm-hmm. and what's in here. You know what I mean? So the expression is true and. Um, it's received, I think, just based on the, you were talking about how people perceive what it is you have to say, um, just based on the meaning, you know, that they attach to it or, or how, um, you know, how big it is to them. Like you're talking about a therapist who hates vulgarity, just right away. Like, nope, it's vulgarity. Nope, nope. Don't like it. You know what I mean? Like it's an expression of whatever, but I mean, everybody's listening with their own ears, you know, everybody's going to get their own thing out of it. Um, the juice squeezed from the same fruit tastes different, to, you know, to different people. But um, but I, I can appreciate you carrying it in that direction, talking about emotion being a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like literally, I don't I think when it comes to how we speak to each other, mm-hmm. body language comes in a lot because whatever you say mm-hmm. is going to like cause a feeling how you react physically or when you cause a feeling with your words, someone can react physically. And that's just the reality of it. Like, because they feel something here and then their body responds. And so like, even 
somebody when you get bad news your stomach literally ties up or like falls or whatever like it's very physical and it can literally make you sick <laughs> like if somebody yeah. says the wrong thing the idea of something somebody dying or the idea of some friendship ending like that can make you physically sick like if anything happened to my best friend or my girlfriend like i'm gonna be like sad like it's it's physical it's gonna be like i'm a yeah. And so I think that translates to art because in music, certain songs will bring me back to a feeling that I had because of an experience I had with that song. Mm -hmm. um, or the first time I heard a certain poem, that'll take me back to that feeling. And then it'll become physical and it'll feel like I'm literally going through that moment again. Like, yeah. that's the crazy part about it. Like, it's nostalgia. And then your body just revisits all of yeah. the things of the things because that's your unique experience. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. I love that though. Right. The like nerd in me is like jumping right now because I'm like, of, like the psychological like aspect. Of it. Oh my god, but I love psychology. Like, yeah, same, same. Um, but it's like what's happening is your brain has already made these associations between whatever the the input is and whatever past experiences has already had. Right. And so it's like if you're listening to a song and certain words or certain chords or just the actual complete song itself, maybe you heard it back when you were six on your way to, you know, the ice cream shop and you just remember being excited. And so, you know, it could be heavy metal, but if your brain has associated <laughs> that song with a visit to the ice cream parlor, then hearing that song is going to make you giddy and happy right. and excited again. But somebody else, you know, might hear it as, you know, like devil's music as I've heard mm. before or, you know, whatever it is. So it's really about how your brain has originally connected it with some other kind of experience mm -hmm. and environment that you were in when you initially uh, receive that that input whether it be certain words the way that somebody said a certain thing like when somebody calls you and say yo we need to talk and your and your throat closes up and you're like about what about what because the last time you heard somebody say say that what came next wasn't you know it wasn't a lot of fun so now your brain is like anytime we hear somebody say we got to talk we need to go into defense mode mm. and so then you know your, your nervous system starts firing off in certain ways closes your throat up throat up your your heart starts racing and I think that that's super like interesting that our bodies right. just do that, like just for the sake of trying to help us survive, just right. by remembering those kinds of associations. So, yeah, I think a lot of us um spend a lot of time being uh, selfish listeners, where we don't take into account the context from which the person is speaking from, Ooh. and that's solely the way that we're receiving what they had to say. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love all of that. <laughs> I think it's so. Yeah, that part about like, oh my gosh, there was something you just said. That, see, this the is why you take of where people are, are speaking from. Yes. And then you were talking about how your body is like trying to help you survive that mm -hmm. specifically. I think we need to give ourselves more grace because I think in those moments when you switch to defense mode, it's so hard to like pull that, like come back to yourself, like the reality of the situation or the person you're communicating with. Because even in the midst of like disagreements, it's like defense. It's like, it's me against the world. When really the reality of your relationship with like, let's say your parent, cause you know, parents, I'm saying my mom <laughs> know how to say things. <laughs> it's like, bruh, are you trying to like get me upset? <laughs> And so then I have to remember, okay, she's only working with her, her toolkit. Like her toolkit says like this, or this is what she's saying, but what she meant, like I can ask for clarity. I can do other things to mitigate these defense responses. Cause if I just react out of that, it's, you don't know what, what your survival mode can do. Like, mm -hmm. or what you'll say to try to get this person away from you when really you want them closer. <laughs> so yeah wow i think we need more grace like our body is just trying to protect itself it's not trying to hurt the person or that other person their body is in defense and they're trying to protect themselves they're not trying to hurt you they're trying to protect themselves yeah oh wow i think i needed that that message you just brought that message for me because <laughs> yeah I'm glad i could do that man oh man yeah. but you get to have fun with that though i think too like being being a being a spoken word artist being a poet you know you get to have fun with that though you know like like when you go to see a play or you go to see a movie 
or you know you go to watch a, a sporting event whatever you know and you feel those moments like your team you know is it's is at the 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 very last 10 seconds of the game and it's the fourth down and you know and, and you feel that oh man you know the same way or, or you yeah. go see a movie and you know the the hero is about to take a L or so you think and then you know yeah. somebody comes in that you forgot about who you thought died and they save him you know like we can, we can have fun with with uh with 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 language in the way that it 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 triggers these things in you know in each other and we can give i think um and of course you know this i mean because language is about communicating one thought from one mind to another you can actually um i, th- I guess i'm saying we spend a lot of time trying to be nice about everything mm. you know <laughs> we spend so much time trying to sterilize what it is we want to say or what we want to share sterilize. so much we right. kind of like dehumanize our experience you know what i mean <sighs> that was real loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're too loud, really loud. Egg, man. Turn that volume down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why, why do you think people learn to do that? I, I guess I'm asking both of you. We want to be good. And we think that you know, we want everybody to think that we're good because we're social beings. Oh, he's good. He's, you know. But, you, like, you ever notice, like, you say sometimes, why Why does everybody like that dude? He's such a jerk. He's such a butthole. Like, why is everybody, but, you know, people like that, I'll say, remind us that we're human. They make mm-hmm. us feel. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you make people feel, um, you create moments. And people mm-hmm. remember moments when you create them. You know, like, they might forget what you said. <laughs> they might forget what you did. But they'll never forget how they felt in that moment. There's the physical thing again. There's the the emotion, you know. Um, but I think we want to be good. Everybody wants to be good, you know. And mm. we we take the humanity out of life in the name of being good. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, because mm. we start acting like good is the only thing allowed to exist. Exactly. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I don't even know where to start with responding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, um, we just talking. <laughs> yeah, like I think it's so important to look back into childhood for me because mm-hmm. that you know how they say the first six years develops your personality. Oh, yeah. So like I was the baby of the family, but like I felt like a newcomer. Like I don't, you know, mm-hmm. they've been here. I'm just trying to like I want you. I want my big sister to like me. She didn't want to babysit me, but she had to. So I'm like, yeah. And then I kind of <laughs> felt like the nurturer of the family. So I'm okay. like, I'm the next up. Um, I guess is it matron? Is that the word matriarch? I okay. feel like <laughs> like I'm like in training. I felt that at a very young age. Like I wanted to be lady in the shoe with a bunch of kids. And so I feel like in order to be, quote unquote, a good nurturing person, you kind of have to let everybody come into your space and like take up that space. Mm-hmm. And so now as an adult, I'm like, where's the space for me? Where's that little corner of time where I can like just be quiet or be alone? And like, uh, it. I think it really comes from childhood, like just trying to be, um, make sure everybody's okay. Everybody's happy. Everybody's laughing. I don't want no arguments tonight. I don't want no like fights. I don't want none of that. Like, and always trying to avoid conflict. And so you can't be your honest self when you know that your honest self causes conflict. And that's what you're running from. Like that just, that then feel makes you feel like you're putting yourself in danger by being yourself <laughs> or saying mm-hmm. how you really feel. Um, knowing it might hurt feelings. But it's so crazy because the older I get, I know how to craft messages now. So I'm able to say what I need to say and people receive it well. So like just practicing that has been really helpful. Like I gave um, my sister advice on her business recently and I was so scared that she was going to like feel deflated because like I saw something and I was like, hey, you should probably do this or I feel like that would be better if you did this And that felt like a critique because maybe previous experiences, um, I was afraid she would be deflated or like lose momentum, but she literally was just like, that's a great idea. Can you help me with that? And I was like, and I made it so big in my head. (laughs) I made it so big inside here. And once it came out, it was literally like, 
It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're being uh too considerate. Yeah. It's oh, really that, that's me. Yeah, I, I recognize that. That that's me big time. I'm like Man. overly considerate of like everybody. Um, and then I like get then I get pissed off and no one's as considerate from uh, like with me. Oh my! God. I'm like I'm over here thinking about you all the time. <laughs> like 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 they know what's in my head. Like right. people know I'm thinking about them. I'm over here considering what you're going to eat and how the weather's going to be and this and that. And you didn't even consider that I might not like you know whatever it is. Okay, you didn't ask. Do you care? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, yeah, man, that that, <laughs> that mess is tiring. <laughs> Right. And you it's like me and my best friend talk about this all the time because we're like we're considerate of everybody else. And then we sit here and and we're exhausted. Okay. I'm tired. I done thought it out. I done made up what's gonna happen in my head and and turn around and these people got me messed up. Like and we just be like, we yeah. do this to ourselves though. It's self-inflicted and we every time we talk about it, we just get I feel like we get closer and closer to becoming that 60 year old woman who just don't care. Like, I'm so excited to be there in my life because <laughs> they just say whatever. They're like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> and you just like. But when you know it's coming from love, like my grandma can say a lot of stuff to me and I just be like, that's love. She at the end of the day want me to be good. Like her lens is out of protection and love for me. Mm. versus like you know trying to hurt my feelings not everybody is out to get you like, mm. <laughs> and i'm so, yeah. that's another thing victimhood y'all talked about that before too and that mm -hmm. that that one got me it was like you playing the victim i was like hey why y'all let me turn this <laughs> down pause let me breathe <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ooh. oh that's good she said self-inflicted that you're either self-serving or you're self-inflicting right one or the other we, we've gone to both ends just now <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's like you help people and then it's like you're serving yourself but then the harm is self-inflicted when you realize it's too much to help everybody mm -hmm. and not yourself yeah boundaries yeah find yes. balance hey, using language to um create healthy boundaries <laughs> oh yeah that's something i love too because yeah. like how you say it is really important. How you communicate. Like, if, did you breathe before that argument? Like, did you breathe before responding to somebody not liking something you did? Like, that's something I have to do. Like, I have to calm my nervous system before I respond because I can immediately be like, well, why do you think I, like, why would you even think I thought I was doing it, like, for that reason? Mm. I wasn't trying to make you feel this way. Like, I was just living my life. Like, what are you talking about? And then I have to remember, okay, they are being vulnerable, sharing <laughs> their vulnerabilities with me. They're trusting um, me. Yes. And for me to shut it out like that, how are they supposed to do, keep coming back to do that again? Yeah. Bree said in the episode that we did with her um, that when people or, you know, herself included, that when people are being vulnerable in that way and maybe coming to you to share how you made them feel, it's not because they're trying to push you away. It's because they're trying to bring you closer mm -hmm. and they want you to know how, how you made them feel so that they have the opportunity to correct it and show up for you in a better way next time. That was good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shout outs to Bree. Yeah, I didn't make that up. Yes. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. That was a really good episode. I enjoyed that one very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned earlier that, you've been practicing like how to communicate with people in a way that, you know, it, it won't hit their sensitivities and that they'll receive you uh, in the best way possible. What things like specifically have you worked on? Like exactly what is it that you've been trying to do um, so that people are receiving you as close to the way that you meant to be perceived as possible? Mm. Well, I think before I answer that, I must tell you like how my definition of love has transitioned over the years. All right. um, my new definition as a 27-year-old now, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be different at 30, but at 27, I believe that love is knowing, like really knowing someone. Kind of like, um, I was reading this book a while ago when I still identified as Christian. And there was this book on saving yourself, but they talked about how like knowing, loving God is knowing God or like the, 
or reciprocating that, like knowing your connection with God or the divine. Um, and I think now love is about knowing. And so if I know certain triggers, I'm not going to touch it. Like I know certain things are off the table. I'm not going to push it. Um, and it's like just knowing where not to go in arguments, knowing what <laughs> what not to touch, because that's a that's a button for disaster. Like you're going to mm-hmm. blow up your relationship in, in a <laughs> 2.5 seconds if you touch that. So I think it's just important to know what resonates with them. Like my sister, I've known her so long. So I know how to say, Felicia, I'm having a rough day. I cannot talk. I can't take on anything right now. Like, I know you need to vent, but I don't, girl, I don't have it today. And she'll understand that it's the tone. It's coming down. It's not being loud. It's not leave me alone. It's, hey, (laughs) today is really rough. I'm trying not to cry right now. So can I call you back? Can I call you tomorrow? Um, yeah. And different people hear that differently. So like with my dad, he's going to ask what's wrong. (laughs) Like that's going to set me off. (laughs) I'm going to be sobbing in all of two seconds. Like he's going to be like, he's going to hear it in my voice and he's going to say, what's wrong. And then I'm going to be like, "Ah, it's it's all going to come out. And then I have to realize, okay, daddy, I don't really want to talk about this right now. I'm going to cry. I will call you and talk to you about it later, but I don't want to right now. And just letting them be okay with that. It's about knowing who you're talking to and how they like to be talked to. That's respect. That's boundaries. That's knowing your people. Knowing that my niece doesn't like to be yelled at. I'm not going to yell at her. <laughs> you know? I mean, who does like being yelled at? But I know yeah, some just, people that need it. Oh, and, see? And I got to yell. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have that niece. <laughs> Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> some nieces they some nieces and nephews be needing it but um yeah those they listen they and they they shut down if i go yelling they're going to shut down they're not going to hear a thing they're not going to respond all since done just i don't want to talk to you no more <laughs> yeah so you haven't like tried to to just do like this cookie cutter approach where you try to talk really calmly to everybody or you try to you certainly everybody. Off. Yeah, yeah. You've you've taken the time to consider how each person receives language input and you tailor mm-hmm. yourself according to that when speaking to those people. Yeah. I think well, I'm studying to become an art therapist, so I'm I think I'm just learning people. Like I'm really obsessed with learning people. And I don't know if that's sick. I feel like in its own way, it could be a little sick because then it's like you're learning them so you can move accordingly. And it almost feels manipulative sometimes. Um, That was a weird moment for me to realize I got manipulative ways. But it's also like, I don't want to hurt you. I want to tell you how I feel without hurting you. I want to tell you that you hurt me without berating you. So how can I do that? I have to know how you like to be communicated with. I need to know from our past experiences how it makes sense to talk to you so that you'll understand versus saying it how I need to say it. And then you're not hearing anything. And then we're completely here out of connection instead of like here. Yeah. Together mm-hmm. in a symbiotic uh, communicative relationship. Yes. I, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying about the, the manipulation piece because I've had that <laughs> same like kind of, guilt about it I'm seeing your face (laughs) we've talked about this I've had that same kind of feeling of hmm am I being manipulative is this manipulation and my Mm. mom she's always made the joke that I'm uh, that I'm trying to take over the world especially (laughs) since I decided to like study psychology or I like to teach her about communication or things she's like man you out here manipulating people you got people thinking this and doing this and um, (laughs) and I'm like nah I just learned how to talk to people so that you know the best possible outcome can be had as a result of the way I've decided to communicate with them. But then I'm like, huh, that does sound like manipulation. But I've, I've gotten rid of that negative connotation that comes along with it. Because I don't, I don't communicate with people in a way that I'm trying to just get all that I can get out of it and just like drain the other person. Like right. I'm, I'm considering what they need out of it too. And, you know, with uh, I don't know if either of you have, have ever gone through physical therapy 
but I, I work in a sports medicine office and we have uh, physical therapy as a part of the, the practice. And one of the things, just something that physical therapists do is they use a technique called manipulation where they may have to move the joint or move a body part in a certain way to correct it or to realign or to mm -hmm. get it in a place where they can begin the healing process of it. And so it's not manipulation in a sense of they're like trying to dislocate somebody's shoulder and then sending them out of the office because that'd be terrible. They're doing right. it in a way that the shoulder joint or that whatever body part is in the position it needs to be in so that it can be best healed. And so, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, we've got hang up, hang ups on, on certain words. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah. so yeah, so I've, I've learned to start when I realize a certain word kind of hits a spot where I'm like, oh, I don't like that just because of the word itself. I'm like, well, why not? What's wrong with that word? Where did that yeah. word come from anyway? What does it actually even mean? Why am I sitting here all like <laughs> bent up because of a word, because of mm -hmm. the way that, you know, that those syllables and the way people move their teeth and lips and tongue hits the air and I'm all, all right. like tight about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Manipulate. <laughs> yeah, manipulate. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not I am interested thing. about where that word comes from. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have a definition here. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've got a couple. I've got a couple definitions. <laughs> let's all right. Know. So, um, Let's see. Uh, I got a bunch of them right here, actually, but let's go with the first few. All right. So to treat or operate with or as if with the hands of. Um, wow. Sorry. Hold on. To retreat or operate with or as if with the hands or by mechanical means, especially in a skillful manner. That one kind of got me. And number two, this is the one I like to manage or utilize skillfully. And the third one, this is the one everybody's familiar with, to control or play upon in an artful or unfair means, especially to one's own advantage. That's yeah. the one, you yeah. know, but let's just go with the one in the middle <laughs> to manage or utilize skillfully. Do you see an, um, a word origin there? Um, I don't. I don't at all. Um, okay. But I could find one, I'm sure. But... Yeah, manipulate not not entirely a bad thing. I think it's it's the misuse, right? Right. Like uh, somebody gets run over. That's horrible. That's a horrible illustration. But I started. Um, <laughs> somebody gets run over by a steam powered locomotive. All right. You know, the it steam itself yeah. wasn't inherently evil. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Neither was the locomotive. You know, just, just misdirected, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a hell of an example. <laughs> like, it's so ironic that the third definition was like the connotation we all have. I didn't yeah. realize that there was a denotation that matched the negative connotation. Like, yeah, yeah, that was interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I wanted to talk about manipulating energy in an art, like in an artful way, because mm -hmm. yeah, I've always thought of like manipulation in a negative way, but like, I love what you said about releasing the, taking away the whole negative connotation because you attach meaning to that. Like we attached meaning to mm -hmm. that and made it negative. So then we shy away from wanting to do it. But like when you create art and you go share it or you perform it or you um, you give it to the world, you're manipulating energy. Like that's what we do as people. Like if you have negative emotions, you can become an alchemist of that energy and mm. put it into art. You can mm. literally manipulate a lot of things. And it's uh, often for the good. It's just we pay more attention to the negative, like naturally. I was just reading something in my textbook about that, about how naturally we pay more attention to our negative experiences That's and we cling to it. Right. And negative so, yeah. right. So like on the stage, we're manipulating energy as a host of an event. You're manipulating the energy in the room. You're bringing it all back. And so that's not bad because if somebody brings the energy to um, like they're talking about something heavy, something that's a trigger warning and the room is, is low. Like the host is going to come in and pull that energy up. That's art. <laughs> that is um, bringing us to a better level or better frequency so we can all go on to the next piece that might 
you know, be something different rather than staying like at this low, low, hard area or space in the room. Like, yeah, manipulating that energy is good in that way. Hmm. I noticed that um, that your girlfriend is also a poet. Oh yes. I didn't she I is. didn't realize that till till recently. Is that how you guys met? Yes, we met at well, we met on Tinder initially. I shot my okay. shot. Swish. Um, but then she stopped responding. So then <laughs> <laughs> I, then I saw her at Open Mic, this event called Pure Poetry, and I was listen, y'all, I'm strategic. Whether it's communication, whether it's the poetry, I'm strategic. So I kinda like saw her at the event she went first and then throughout the night and I, I saw where she was sitting i literally was like bouncing around it was a big space it was, it's at club club elevate so i was at the bar went upstairs to the upstairs bar sat by the stairs and you know by the end of the night i make my way over there and shot my shot again here we are <laughs> okay i i only bring it up because i was going to ask if um if there was something that some kind of uh, stand up that she did that manipulated you in that kind of way. Oh, hmm. I don't know if it was intentional, but let me see. Yeah. I think her overall performance style is kind of reserved. And so it kind of pulled me in, I think. Like when she performs, it's more reserved. It's more uh, quiet, but her energy is like loud. She's a Gemini. So it's very, a lot of movement socially when she talks, it's not like that. So it was really interesting. Like I was like, huh, she's more reserved than I thought, like on the stage. And then when we went to talk, it was a whole different ball game. We're laughing, we're joking, movement, like, yeah. So maybe, maybe that was a way to pull me in. But it pulled in, I mean, of course, it pulled in other women, too, that night. But <laughs> I just happened to be strategic <laughs> with my... Lines some manipulation here. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. You know, back and forth. <laughs> I'm manipulative. Right. Yeah. yeah, wow. Oh, wow. I never thought about that till now. <laughs> yeah, that was all one thing. I was just, <laughs> I just... I just wondered. That was a good question. Are you writing that one down, too? <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk to her about that. I'm be like, so, were you manipulating? She's going to be like, oh, Lord, what are we going to talk about now? Oh, man. Um, but I wanted to also talk about language from, like, a European aspect. Mm. I, like, at the beginning, when we were talking about conventional and uh -huh. kind of like this set way of doing things, I think that's interesting, and I think we should talk about how white Americans pretty much have created this standard or British people have created this standard of English wow. that we take into the workplace and we take into certain spaces, but you know, we code switch too. So right. if I'm in a meeting with other people that are not, you know, like me, that's our standard form of language created by these people who use that. That's the language they use at home. But when we go home, it's a whole different language. Our Hispanic mm -hmm. family, in counterparts, they go home to a different language. Um, whether you're Caribbean, it's all different. And so I think it's interesting that our standard is something that's not really native to us or mm. natural to us. Mm. Yeah. The word manipulate, by the way, is English in origin. How about oh. that? How about that? <laughs> what's, the, what's the original definition? Uh, is it the same? Yeah, it's exactly the same. Okay. All right. That's <laughs> yeah. well, way to tie that together. Yeah, you know, the British. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's cool. That is interesting, though, like the code switching and things and where we decide to use which standard of communication and mm -hmm. how we usually just go off of, at least I know I do a lot of the time, what someone looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they probably will understand me best if I speak this way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't know. I have a lot yeah. of um, a lot of only Spanish speaking patients who by this point, the ones that know me know I have been learning Spanish and they know that. But the ones who don't know me or if someone just stops me to ask for help or something, they assume I speak Spanish. And I'm like, wow, my bad. Not me. That's real. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. And no, that, that is interesting. Like the looks of it, that when I first went to Spain, I will not forget how everybody was so many different like skin complexions. Like here, you know, we see black, white, Hispanic. Like we see based on colors, um, what language you speak or how you speak. But there, everybody spoke like their native language. I think it was Catalan or, but they speak Spanish too. So everybody was just talking. There were, there were no direct hard lines. I didn't think. I saw a lot of diverse mixed as far as colorism goes, mm. like a lot of different groups. Um, and that shook up my world. Like, I was like, y'all just acting like nothing different. Hmm, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. What's what interesting too, as I, um, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was trying to think back to something, but you might trigger it. So, okay. Okay. I, um, <laughs> As I've been uh, learning Spanish um, and and dating someone who's Hispanic, um, I'm seeing a lot that they consider like the the Spaniards to be the white people, the way that we call white people, white people. And one of the apps I've been using to help me learn Spanish, the Spanish is coming from Spain. Mm. And so I've said things to her before and she's like, what? You don't say it like that. And I'm like, well, that's the way the app said it. She's like, no, that's that white Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my dad will teach me. I didn't know there was different ones. So then I realized, and I was like, duh. But I realized, you know, there are different dialects across different parts of Spanish-speaking countries. Um, yeah. And I'm like, of course, that makes sense. The same mm-hmm. way that other places have, you know, different dialects. Even though they all speak the same language, they have different ways to say different things. Uh-huh. Between, you know, Spain, Puerto Rico... Uh, Mexico like they they say things in different ways and they have phrases that are just native to their areas right. um so yeah you know even with the same language I just think it's cool that people have found different ways to use it and and manipulate it Absolutely. so that you know they understand each other best yeah I think it goes it's so weird for me because it goes back to like white people and um what's the word uh colonizing and all that (laughs) so it's really awkward i'm just i remember i was correcting my girlfriend on something she said and she was like oh she was (laughs) it was like a guilt trip but like a joke but she was like oh so basically you subscribe to european standards and i was just like (laughs) i'm just saying that's how you say it like that's how who says it and i'm like oh shit like and then that was like a whole other thing because i'm like who am I to correct somebody on like the words coming out of their mouth? This is based off of a language we were taught and forced to like conform to. So, you know, and then I think about my experience in corporate America. Like when I first started my career after college, I was trying to have that, (laughs) that standard English going on, you know, that was trying to speak (laughs) proper quote unquote. And over time, I realized I can be the same. Like, I went to Salisbury, too. So that was a predominantly white institution. So uh-huh. I found myself conforming a lot. And then over time, I had to realize I can be the same person everywhere. Like, I can be the same person with my friends that I am in class at this PWI. Like, and I kind of just blended. I kind of blended the two. Because I remember when I went to Largo, when I look back on the videos, I used to talk. Like, I was like, how did anybody understand what I was saying? I had like an accent. Like, it was crazy. And so it was really cute. Like, it was like a little kid accent thing going on. And now I see that as an adult, like, I kind of blended my worlds and created like this new version of myself. And so I can go into these spaces and still speak like this and crack a joke and it still be okay. Like, I was so scared to make jokes at first. And now I'd be like, I don't care if you're white, we're going to laugh. Like, I'm not about to sit here and be bored with you. Like, <laughs> we're going to have a good conversation and keep it moving. Um, and they, I think they respect that. And I respect just as much when a white person is not trying to conform to my dialect. I respect when they are being their full selves. Listen, I get it. If you want to, like, <laughs> be cool, but just be you. I, I love that because that is what your unique self brings to this space. And we can both be our unique selves with our unique dialect and tongue and language and jokes. We can all do that in the same space. So, yeah. Bring the humanity. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, humanity's the word, right? Oh man. Yeah, this is um this has brought a lot for me to think about <laughs> so far in, in this Same. hour. Yeah. It's been an hour already. Yeah, it's been an hour. That was a see COVID time. Is there anything um and, and I guess this is for all of us. Um is there anything in regards to language and the use of it that you think all people should be a little more mindful of? Like what you said earlier about um you you mentioned people being their full unique selves and bringing that to to the spaces that they enter. Oh man, I'm I'm losing what was said earlier in the conversation. But I I think that people should be more wholesome communicators. And by that, I mean not only considering their own experiences and context and, and knowledge about things, but being a bit more considerate. Of course, not so much, you know, so to a fault, but just being more considerate that other people have contexts and, and situations and experiences that they might not even know about, some they might know about, that color the way that they communicate into as best they can consider that when building and forming relationships with people. Um, I think that if we could all, you know, and I'm not even saying to become like a masterful communicator or to formally Uh study it, but just to start attempting to be a little bit more considerate that we're not the only ones here when we're having conversations with other people. Yeah. Just try. Yeah. Just try an attempt. You might mess it up too, but you know, try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'll let um on that on that question I'll let the guest have the final word. Um I would I would tell people to taste your words before you spit them out, you know? Um and and if you agree with the taste, like I mean honestly, don't 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 give out nothing that that you wouldn't want to taste yourself. I think that's a weak move, but taste your words before you spit them out. And if you like it, you know, let us have it. <laughs> you know, the rest is up to us. Oh, wow. That that phrase Taste your words before you spit them out. Goodness. Because <laughs> people just be spitting all types of stuff out. Um, <laughs> like, ew. Uh, I would say something very simple. I would just say take more breaks. Like, it's okay to pause when you're speaking um, to avoid the ums and the, the unnecessary fillers. Just take more breaks. When you're having a hard conversation, take a break. Give yourself grace. Breathe. It's okay to breathe. It's okay to tell them you need a moment because that moment could be the difference between you breaking a heart. Like you don't know what your, just your lack of awareness of yourself can do to somebody else. So just take a break. It's okay to breathe. It's okay to really get your thoughts together and come back. My dad taught me that. He's a very calm man. And I appreciate that. So, yeah, take breaks, y'all. Be patient. Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, before we close out, can you let everybody know where they can find you and your work? Yes. So, like I said, my name is Grotta. Grotta Love. That's Grotta like Prada, but with a G. Don't forget the L-O-V-E. I'm on Instagram at Grotta, G-R-A-D-A dot L-O-V-E. That's Grotta Love. I'm on Twitter. Not very often. So don't follow me there. Most active on Instagram. Also have a Facebook page, but Instagram is where we can have more conversations like this. Um, and in my bio, you'll find links to everything else that I do. And I have a TikTok at Grada Love, G-R-A-D-A-L-O-V-E. And I just be having fun on there. So yeah, let's have some fun. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah. Can they, that TikTok link is in your Instagram bio along with other things? It is not, but... okay. You can definitely just go on TikTok and type yeah. Grotta Love. All right. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on this week. Of course. Thank y'all. This has been amazing, <laughs> eye-opening, heartwarming, heart-opening. Like, yeah, I should have took more notes because I'm going to need them. I'm glad this is recorded. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, this has been good. Um, if you guys like this episode right. or didn't like it, and if you didn't, I'm not sure what's wrong with you, but you know you can pull up <laughs> to our email address. That's we might be wrong at gmail.com and there's no e on that b so that's we might the letter b wrong at gmail.com uh, you can also hit us up on instagram you can send us a dm and that's we might be wrong podcast and b is spelled out there so that's we might be e wrong podcast on instagram if you'd like to hit me up more directly you can also contact me on instagram and that's lb.evolving yeah catch me at e flat that's e underscore p h l a t all right all right. Just like every week, we're glad that you guys tuned in to join us on this conversation. We look forward to hearing from and speaking with you next week. All right. See yeah. you guys then. Yeah. And you don't have to taste your words before you spit them at us either. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then. See you. Peace. Bye.